This is Grandstand AFL Sunday, a special night last night. Um, I was going to say under the roof at Docklands. Of course, under an open roof at Docklands as Sean Burgoyne became just the fifth man in the game's history to reach the 400-game milestone, but it was Port Adelaide's night. Mays, who's dragged off his kick, still got it inside fifth in the villain of the evening. Rosie runs into an open goal and kicks it. On a night, Sean Burgoyne becomes just the fifth man in VFL-AFL history to pass the 400 mark. But he'll do so on the wrong side of the result. As the power maker, three in a row, Port get themselves to 11-4. and four. A special night, a special milestone for Sean Burgoyne. But it comes in a 34-point defeat. Port Adelaide, too good for the horse. We'll pull apart all of that, a win for the power. So still undefeated against bottom 10 teams in the competition. There's a fair bit happening too in the makeup for the top eight. Fremantle missed their chance last night. The Blues, a 16-point victory at the G. Walsh is there, keeps it in, dribbles it towards goal. Kennedy robes, gives it off to Walsh, snaps on goal. Beautiful! Walsh, the wonder kid, has won it. Had a shake-up in the top eight already this weekend. The Tigers are out. The Giants are in. Victory over Melbourne by nine points in the first leg of that doubleheader at the MCG. Tom Green gets it forward to Hill. Out to Whitfield in the right forward pocket. Eyes the goals. And kicks it. Big win for the Giants coming off a loss to the Hawks and a draw before that. The only other game yesterday, a lopsided result in the finish. 52 points the way of the Lions over Adelaide. Hitwood bounces over his head. Cameron comes to assist. Paddles it to his advantage in the left forward pocket. Somehow spins, kicks towards the top of the goal square. Lions just wants to see it through and it bounces favourably. This is Grandstand AFL Sunday on ABC Radio, ABC Sport Digital and the AFL Extra Button. Eight of the nine games this weekend played in Victoria. There's three games to come today for our audience throughout Tasmania, WA and the Northern Territory. You're off, to, you're off to Sydney and West Coast just after 1 o'clock Eastern. That's 50 minutes from now. While everyone else will be getting the build-up to the game between Collingwood and St Kilda at the MCG and then everyone back together for the Dogs and the Roos a little later on. Corbin Middlemass and Brett Delidio in studio as always on a Sunday. G'day, Lids. Hello, Corby, and good afternoon, listeners. Mate, yeah, an upsetting weekend. Well, not upsetting, but a couple of upsets that mm. we've seen uh, way back on Thursday night and then uh, yesterday, my old boys getting the job done against the, the league leaders. So, um, interesting couple of results there, mate. But uh, other than that, we've probably what we expected, I think, uh, albeit Freo had their chances yesterday, didn't they? So, Looking forward to running through all of that today. Just as it looked like the top eight was decided, all of a sudden you can probably make the case way down to St Kilda, still in the mix to play finals footy this year. We had a double header at the G for the first time since the 1980s. John Longmire is our feature guest, the coach of the Sydney Swans. He's going to join us shortly. There's so much upheaval, obviously, with, as I said, eight of the nine games in Melbourne. Uh, uncertainty around when the New South Wales teams will be going home. Things looking a little brighter, though, for the other teams. Brendan Goddard's with us in studio. G'day, Beach. Back-to-back Sundays. Thanks for having me. Thanks boys. for being here. Yeah. Sprightly. She's St Kilda a chance to make finals. Oh. Please. Come on. It's, it's, they win They're today. They win today. They're half a game <laughs> it's outside Friday, the game. isn't it? Well, we've, written them off. we've written them off since about round five, haven't we? With some of their performances. For every reason. Yeah. For good reason, should I say. Lauren, no. Lauren Arnell isn't with us. She's in the Simpson Desert. 
which I've Still touched on a couple of weeks it. ago. Under two weeks. So if there's one place to try and get away from COVID lockdowns and dramas, it's no off, mask. The, off the grid in the middle of the desert. Uh, the text message number 0437-774-774. A star performer, Beach, to get us going on the on a positive note. Have you got an individual which caught your eye across the weekend? Uh, there's a few honourable mentions, I think. Oh, we're doing yeah. those. Yeah, I think I, so. I like those. Deservingly so. The discussion prior to coming on air. Uh, your man lid, Zach Bailey. You said you couldn't Ooh. go with him because he copped too much stick from us. Yeah, that's right. Mate. He's a star. Yeah, so one Putting of your boys. a very good season. Uh, Ollie Wines last night, although we talked about him uh, butchering the footy a little bit, but overall it wasn't as if he was alone nope. in, that, uh, in that sense. You're going to find it, don't you? The great man, Benny Cameron, just caught him in the lead into the show. Sammy Walsh, again, just sealing the deal. Gun. For, for Carlton. Best Skin. number one draft pick, is he? Best. Nah, he struggles. <laughs> That's a different argument, mate. Um, no, definitely. Well, the argument then, I was sitting, we were sitting next to uh, Cornsy last night, and I was just thinking about his uh, comments oh, around uh, Connor Rosie and, and Sam Walsh and that draft. And funny, he was watching Rosie, and yeah, he was better again last night. And But uh, Sam Walsh, yeah, what a star. Um, and a couple of my old boys, uh, as a duo, Darcy Parrish, Zach Merritt, just potentially just setting records as a duo and. Most possessions is two midfielders in one team or some ridiculous thing. They're on the, on track too. But uh, my man, after some thought, um, the danger. Are you going uh, with Paddy yeah, D? Yeah, just just although those because uh, of the haters. No, yeah, and just because it was almost like he's been injured, hasn't had great continuity. Um, I think he's managed himself, and the club imagined him, managed him really well. And then last night was uh, sorry, two nights ago was. Just a bit of a flex. I'm still around and still yeah. capable of this. And although he and Darcy are probably standing side by side <laughs> for a lot of it, and you shook hands at the start of the game and said, see you at the end. But um, it was just a reminder of what he's capable of and just finding somewhat, well, form is built over, as we've mentioned, a number of weeks. Um, but just may potentially running into a bit of form come the end of the year. Mm. Geelong are doing the same. So, Flying. Yep, so look out. So my man, uh, Paddy Dangerfield. Nice. Lids, how many have you got? Uh, just one, actually. Just I'm wary of the hour that we've got here. Um, <laughs> I've gone with Took Miller way back on Thursday night. And this guy, is, he's averaging 30-plus over the last nine weeks, putting together a very good season. A side that has been struggling for a long time, but he had the 36-9 clearance of seven tackles against uh, the reigning premiers. So putting together a very, very good season is Took. So Took Miller for Brett Delidio and Patrick Dangerfield for Brendan Goddard, 0437-774-774. The SMS number, John Longmire is going to join us shortly, the coach of the Sydney Swans. We've got Sydney and West Coast coming up from Cadenia Park. First game to be ever played at the venue. Four premiership points not involving the Cats. At one stage, it was looking like they were going to get three games there this weekend. Just on the fixture flux uh, at the moment, what we do know is that round 17... The Thursday night game is going to be Port Adelaide-Melbourne, which is all of a sudden a fascinating game. Very good. feels mm. like the surest thing for a blockbuster or an entertaining game at the moment is Port Adelaide at home against another good team. They haven't got well, runs on the board, have they, yet? Well, they, Port. They, not not but, with against top eight teams. Yeah. But, they're, I mean, they're two and four against the top eight sides, but they seem to deliver really entertaining games, even if they're on the wrong side of them. They've had... You know, thrilling games over uh, Richmond and Sydney that they've won, but then they've lost games as well to uh, the Western Bulldogs and Geelong, which was an entertaining game. So it, good atmosphere at, at Adelaide Oval. And yep. It feels like a nice way to start round 17. Uh, the early talk is at the game between the Giants and the Suns we played in Ballarat. Oof. A lot of, lot of long sleeves will be down there, I can guarantee it. <laughs> just the graveyard. Just... Oh. Brr. 
Uh, still, right. it is what it is. Still no confirmation of the Friday night game. There was some talk Essendon would play Adelaide on the Friday night, so that's something that's been put forward at the moment. I heard the expression used yesterday that there's um, no there's no plans, just ideas at this stage, which is probably <laughs> the way that the competition's running. Uh, they are hopeful that the Hawthorne-Fremantle game will take place uh, in Launceston, as was initially scheduled. The other option that was thrown up for the Friday night fixture was Richmond and Collingwood. It would mean the Pies would be on the short break. Obviously, they're in action today. At the MCG. Uh, John's about to join us, so before we might park the Sean Burgoyne conversation and we'll revisit last night. I'll skip ahead to the makeup of the top eight at the moment as to what it looks like. So it felt like a few weeks ago the door was shut and that we had our eight finalists and that that was what we were going to get. There was a two-game gap just a couple of weeks ago between eighth and ninth. All of a sudden now GWS are in the eight. They're two points clear, so half a game ahead of Richmond, Fremantle, both on seven wins. The Dockers missing a chance to move into the top eight last night. And then, really, you can still make the case for the six-win teams, Essendon and Carlton. They're obviously a, a game and a half outside of the finals at the moment with seven to play. But St Kilda are all of a sudden in the conversation, so they still have to play today, which would get them to seven wins after 15 games, and it would mean they would be half a game outside of the top mm. eight should they beat Collingwood. They've got to win with points, though. Their percentage is putrid, isn't it? Like You're looking at it, it's 82.1, and the lowest is the Giants at 97 uh, at sitting in eight. So they're going to have to just keep winning games. But they must count themselves lucky thinking that they've still got a finals chance oh, yeah. because... The, the, how they performed and some of their performances, number of injuries too, mind you. But having the opportunity now of Richmond maybe just getting a bit wobbly and you know the dynasty's over. But uh, losing that fire, then an opportunity because we all thought a month to five weeks ago that I think that well I did anyway that I think the top eight's pretty much set. Yep, absolutely. So uh, along with St Kilda and a number of other teams, now they you know there's a bit of a sniff. Uh, who do you think from here to get in? Yeah. Uh, oh, geez, I think I actually like the Giants and what they've done. I've, I know I've, you've asked me quite a few times throughout the year as to where I see them, and I didn't have them in my top eight at the start of the year, but I like what they're starting to do. They're playing a lot more blue-collar, uh, relying on just effort and intensity, and speaking to a couple of the boys, that's exactly what they are preparing for before games, and I just like the way they're going about it. And still to get a couple of good players back, I think uh, Hogan and Cornelio will be back very mm. soon. So... Yeah, mate, I, I like what they're putting together. It's it's a pretty important game for Sydney West Coast today before we get John on because yeah. they're they're you know they're both on thirty two points. So the loser then you know is around that mark where yep. next week Richmond have a win, they're back up. Like it's it's pretty tight at that bottom end, which I think we all kind of knew it was going to happen based on the last few years and coming into the season. But is a uh, I'm not I'm not certain on you say West Coast at the minute even because of their circumstances. Coming over here now, obviously not being able to play uh, in Perth, Optus Stadium. So Gaff out today, laid out already. Yeah. Mm. I guess the only good thing for West Coast is their run home. Melbourne and Brisbane are the only two teams that they play in their mm. last seven that are in the top eight after today. But um, a lot of that will be relying on, obviously, them getting home and being able to play that critical mass of games at, at Subiaco Oval. I was... I said Subiaco Oval at Perth Stadium, of course, now. Uh, I was big on Fremantle, given their run as well. They were meant to play five of their last eight games at Perth Stadium. They'd swapped the home game with Brisbane at the start of the year, and obviously the circumstances of the week meant that, as a result, they played a home game at the MCG last night against Carlton and ultimately lost that game. This is Grandstand AFL Sunday. Corbin Middlemass, Brett Delidio, and Brendan Goddard on ABC Radio, ABC Sport Digital, and the AFL Extra Button. 
on the ABC Listen app. And I'm pleased to say we're joined by the coach of the Sydney Swans less than an hour before the game with the West Coast Eagles down at Cadinia Park in John Longmire. John, appreciate your time. No worries, gents. Uh, how's everything looking ahead of the game today? Obviously a crucial game in the context of the season. Yeah, it's a you know, critical game for both teams. And um, uh, we, down here in Geelong, it um, looks like it's going to be coming a little bit windy and wet this afternoon. So um, the conditions will probably change uh, as the day goes on. But uh, really looking forward to, to, uh, to testing ourselves. There's obviously two other games being played in Melbourne today. Did you get much say over the venue? Was that something that was driven by you guys as the Sydney Swans, given it was your home game? Oh, I think we're a, bit, a little bit limited in, uh, in where we could go. So um, I think that the AFL was was driving that as much as anyone. I wasn't aware of all the machinations behind closed doors, but I think the AFL were, were driving that um, to be able to just fit in the games to you know, what the other grounds had on them as well. Uh, John Brennan, Goddard, just as the season now going on, um, as we know, younger guys start fatiguing. How are you going dealing and managing those guys now to the extra challenge of being a hub and, and living away from home for a number of weeks? Yeah, we're, we're trying to um, do that. We've had a few of those younger guys have actually had some injuries, and so that's sort of um, been taken care of, I guess, in some ways, as far as some rest. So Errol Gilden had some time off, um, and we're still waiting for Braden Campbell to come back in, Chad Warner um, as well. So we're still still in that phase a little bit. Uh, the other younger guys we've got in the team today, that um, uh, Bell and Armini and those guys have played, a, you know, haven't been there the whole season. So we feel like we've been able to rotate them okay, which hopefully keeps them fresh to be able to still contribute. And what about uh, on a bigger picture scale? What about how the coach is travelling now with uh, you know, the extra challenge again, moving away from home and, and the extra workload that essentially has been on them in the last couple of years because of the circumstances? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's just one of the... You know, it's been well documented, obviously, across the industry that, um, that the, you know, um, with, with the cuts that were taken uh, last year, that um, everything ramps up a fair bit um, for everyone that's, that's here and, and involved. That, that certainly doesn't get less when you've got the challenges to be able to meet things ever changing but um, I mean every club's in that boat and um, we just have to manage it as best we can as staff members to make sure everyone gets their balance right it's a it can be a bit of a challenge when you're in hubs um, but you know we feel like we did it pretty well last year and hopefully we've you know we'll be able to do the same again this year. Uh, John Brett Lidio here mate you spoke about managing those uh, younger players uh, have you got a favourite out of all of those young boys, mate? I don't know coaches tend to have ones they really favour or they like more more than the others, but have you oh, got one? That's not right, is it, Brilliant? That's not right, is it? <laughs> you don't have any favourites. Uh, generally, the ones that help you win every week are the ones that you're generally favourites. But um, it's interesting that um, with Errol Goulden, he actually um, you know, played with my son back in right. under, under sevens. And, um, and so I've been able to see him come through the whole journey. And it's one of the great thrills to be able to um, see him start off their career as seven, eight-year-olds and uh, come onto an AFL list and, and play quite well. It's actually um, not so much a favourite, but certainly a personal story. Well, one of my favourites is Isaac Heaney. I enjoy watching him play. Is he just purely a forward now for you guys? Uh, it, I know we've seen him uh, mixed up in the middle and, um, and around the ground more, but up forward where he's most dangerous? Well, yeah, we, are, um, we think that you know, if that's where the opposition probably don't like him to be in the forward line, that's where, in our forward line, that's probably where we'd like him to be. So, um, you know, you've got to make sure you've got to have good players all over the ground, not just in midfield. We know that he can um, go into the midfield if we need him, but um, particularly coming off his ankle operation last year, we've played him more forward. He's, he's, um, you know, he's had a pretty good year for us, terrific year, particularly um, you know early part of the season, and he's just a real forward threat. He's good in the air and good on the ground, and um, we feel like you know, our dangerous position for us is to play 
the majority of the time forward, maybe with a pinch hit in the midfield. Yep. John Longmire with us, the coach of the Sydney Swans. Now, John, I'm sure Nick's not listening because he's preparing for the game coming up, but you've got this fascinating ruck matchup today with Tom Hickey, former teammate of Nick Natanui, and, of course, Dean Cox, who was Nick's mentor as part of your coaching staff. How do you combat Nick's influence today? What's the plan for him? Well, you know that he's going to win a fair few hit-outs. I mean, that's... Uh, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, he's obviously the dominant ruckman in the competition, but it's, you know, we, you've got to reduce the effectiveness of that. I mean, obviously, um, and Nick and, and Hick knew each other pretty well. They would have played against each other. They both know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, but, you know, it's one thing knowing. It's another thing trying to combat him. And we know he's a he's a massive competitor. Their centre bounce, their goals from centre bounce, the momentum they get from centre bounces is critical for West Coast. Um, they get real momentum swings based upon their centre bounce goals. So, and we're, going to, we're aware of that. We're going to try and stop it. Uh, that's the challenge, though, is actually trying to stop what you know. Uh, John, it would be rude not to ask about uh, Buddy. Just it looked like last week he had a bit of that uh, spring back in his step. How's his fitness levels, and is he close to almost you know, finding that continuity with his body? Yeah, well, I think that um, um, you know, the, the reality is that 34 is not going to be the same as 24. Yeah. I mean, and, he, and um, you know, he's getting coming to terms with that, too. I mean, being able to know what he can do during the week is, is critical, but he's been able to train during the week, um, which has been so important for him. I mean, any player at any age needs to be able to train, and and you know, the ones that I know of, you know, often when they get older, need to need to train even even more. So he's been able to do that. That's a good sign for him. Um, but we keep managing from week to week and understanding that as long as he's able to do that training during the week, he goes in feeling confident like any player would. There's obviously been a commitment, John, not to have the teams and the players and I guess the support staff away for sort of long periods this year for only three or four weeks at a time. I notice when you look ahead on the schedule, there is a game in round 18 against GWS. Have you had any indication at this stage as to when the group may be able to head back to New South Wales, even if it's only for a short term? No, no idea at the moment. What I, what I learned from last year and, and again this year is not to worry about what happens tomorrow um, because it's so many changes and that's, that's one of the challenges uh, the players and, their, and staff and their families have got across the competition is you don't know. Uh, but there's also a, a pretty clear precedent that that's just the way it is and you, and you have to get on with it and just deal with living in the moment. It's really important that we live in the moment um, and not spend too much energy um, worrying about other things that we can't control. But we've got to make sure also at the same time the families back home are looked after as well. Are you prepared to stay for an indefinite period? Oh well, I mean, we don't, you don't really, you don't have a choice, do you? <laughs> so, I mean, that's the reality of it. You, you get on with it. I mean, we did last year. All the teams did last year, and all the teams are doing that this year. So, um, you pack your bags. We had three hours' notice. Get on the plane, come down, and, and go about your job. In the end, we're fortunate to be able to still do that. Uh, there's a lot of people doing it tough back in Sydney in businesses and and uh, in lockdown, and and so we're aware. We're very fortunate to be able to do what we do. Just last one, John, obviously your, your team has a, a deep connection to Melbourne and obviously with the, the South Melbourne heritage and the, the team's closely linked with the past. Have you taken the opportunity, I guess, to, to do a few things down in Melbourne um, that perhaps you wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to do in connection with um, South Melbourne? Yeah, we've got a, yeah, we've, we've spoken to Bobby Skilton, Max Papley, those guys. We'd like to be able to... Uh, last week was a pretty hectic week, um, but, uh, but as time goes on, we'll probably reconnect with a few of those guys and and um, and you know that's the real benefit, I guess, is that we have got a strong heritage here in in Victoria, and um, we'll see that with the ticket sales today, hopefully, and and to be able to reconnect with our uh, Melbourne heritage is really important to us. So you know, we'll be certainly doing some spending some time thinking about that and doing that this week and over coming weeks. Good luck today, and thanks for your time. So close to the bounce. No worries, thanks, guys. John Longmire with us, the coach of the Sydney Swans.
Team news is already out, so no late change. Uh, James Robot on the sub for Sydney and Jack Petrocelli, the sub for the West Coast Eagles. Touched on it, Beach off the top. Big game today, all of a sudden. So for the, the mm. team that wins, feel like they're cemented in the eight, they're clear inside the top six, and the losers all of a sudden back in the uh, back in the pack. Yeah, and and John, and the, he wouldn't talk about it with the team. I don't think so about the importance of it because we know that uh, looking too far ahead is not always a healthy thing for footy clubs and individuals in particular so uh, but he he would know as a coaching group and as a footy club how important it is the significance of it where it'll set them up um, who it's against obviously sitting on 32 points each um, against West Coast so um, and it might be important if they can bank a couple now in this you know hub style it'll be it'll be I think really really beneficial for anyone that can or these in, interstate mm. teams that are travelling and, and come to Melbourne so once they go back and uh, to the home states, hopefully, when things get back to somewhat or some normality in our lives, or for their lives, really, um, that uh, it'd be pretty important these next couple of weeks. It's an incredible performance, isn't it? Really, I didn't have them anywhere near the top eight when I was yeah. at the start of the year to be there and be competitive and be a chance to you know really consolidate uh, with a win today. Like that's that's a great feather in uh, John's cabin and one a year that he probably be really proud of, considering the, the group and the list that he um, that they've got, but. You know, keep those young boys rolling, as he spoke about, would be a big key to that. And keeping their enthusiasm up and about would be great. Yeah, it feels like it swamped the news cycle again this week. The fact that, you know, all 18 teams were in, Victor- uh, in, in Melbourne for a certain period of time. There's obviously eight of the nine games played here this weekend. We had Leon Cameron, the coach of the other Sydney team. Obviously, the Giants on the lead yesterday uh, before their game against Melbourne. This is what he had to say about their situation. Is it ideal? I mean, I think everyone understands it's not ideal. And that cumulative effect... That can have can have it on an individual that might be away from a you know a, a you know a wife or kids or whatever. There's an accumulative effect, but again, um, all we can sort of focus in on week by week. And and if news comes through, it's good. Then you deal with it. And if news comes through that you're here for a week or two more, then you've got to deal with it as well. So that was Leon Cameron yesterday. New South Wales recording 16 new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours to 8 p.m. last night. 14 of them are linked. Two previous confirmed cases, no news, no new overseas acquired cases were recorded in the same period. So I feel like for a lot of us based in Melbourne in particular, we have a lot of scarring as to what happened last year, which was obviously a different scenario. Um, fingers crossed that there's blue sky ahead. Um, that fixture in round 18 feels like a, I mean, a lot can happen in, in 10 days in a COVID world as the opportunity to at least get the teams home for a short period. And whether that's, you know, straight after their round 17 fixture and then leave again before their round 19 fixture. Um, it may just give them some respite and a chance to get um, the Swans and Giants home. In well, the- what, what about the other way? Bring their families down. Down. Yeah, because I- if there's still restrictions, like New South Wales, there's 18 cases. It's I don't think even if they ease them a little bit, they're still going to have restrictions on leaving the house, getting to training. Then they're going to get on a plane again, come down here. Mm. Is it another test again? Test again, quarantine until the test comes back. Like it's a bit, bit of a pain rather than potentially just getting their families to come down, get the one test and almost settling in for a few weeks. I think it's going to depend a lot on the players and the clubs. I mean, there was clearly a commitment made by uh, the governing body, by the AFL and the AFLPA, that players wouldn't be away for more than three or four weeks at a time. So hubs were very much a short-term thing. You'd get the chance to go home and reset. And even if they went home for a week or two, then it gives them five weeks before the end of the season. You can almost reset again if the situation hasn't improved and say, look, let's make a run at it now and we know we're going for um, the next month or so to complete the regular season. 
the situation in the other states, while there's still these restrictions, um, fingers crossed there's you know, footy back and there's less COVID in the community, obviously, in the, in the not-too-distant future. This is Grandstand AFL Sunday. Corbin Middlemass, Brennan Goddard and Brett Delidio counting down to the first game today, which is the Swans and the Eagles. We'll have coverage of that for those of you in WA, Tasmania and the Northern Territory. For everyone in Victoria, you'll get the footy forum. And then following that, the lead up to Collingwood and St Kilda. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon. Sean Burgoyne, the fifth man to 400 games. We'll chat about that next. This is Grandstand AFL. Australia, you talked and we broke it down and now it's time to rip it to shreds. Comedian Nikki Britton and more of our funniest, sharpest minds are tackling some of the burning questions from the groundbreaking Australia Talks project. Do younger Aussies have it harder these days? Everybody has it harder these days. Should social media be banned? E.T. on phone too much. Australia debates. Let's argue. Stream all three now on ABC iView. The 2021 AFL Premiership season on ABC Radio and on ABC Sport Digital. It's been a big week and an enjoyable one. Um, you know, it would have been really good to get the victory tonight, but Port Adelaide was far too good tonight. So, um, but yeah, it's the way things go sometimes. Bartlett, Harvey, Fletcher, Tuck. It's a pretty exclusive club, isn't it? Yeah, those guys are um, legends of the game, and um, I had a chat with them during the week, and they're uh, they're good people, and um, yeah, so it's pretty uh, humbling to be in a little mini club with those guys. The first Indigenous player to reach 400 games, Shawnee. You're an inspiration to Indigenous men and, and women across the nation. How do you how do you sum sum that up? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty big when you talk like that, but. Um, yeah, whether I, you know whether I can inspire young kids to to reach for a goal and try to get their pinnacle and make the most of it, that's that's uh, um, I'm happy with that. But <laughs> here comes my kids. Uh, yeah, it's good. But oh, I think when you surround yourself with good people and and great medical advice and great people have great faith in you, um, you can gives you a lot of confidence to to chase your dreams and, and keep playing footy at the highest level. So. Great people in and around Hawthorne, and yeah, I've surrounded myself with those people, and you know, yeah, I just couldn't, you know, couldn't be in better hands. Congratulations, Sean. I'll get you, let you yeah. go and enjoy uh, thank, it. thank you to the fans for coming out as well. Thank you. Sean Burgoyne, courtesy of Channel 7 last night with Abby Holmes. That's 400 games for Sean Burgoyne. Uh, becomes just the fifth man Incredible. to do it, but the third since 2015. We're all lucky enough to be there last night. On a special occasion, had a guard of honour to welcome him onto the ground, featuring uh, former teammates, former opponents from various clubs across his journey, and then made his way off the ground, carried off by his former teammate, Travis Boak, his current teammate, and Liam Shields, who, of course, he shared three premierships with. Uh, the conversation sort of turned quickly, Lids, as to uh, will he play next week? How, how long are we going to see Sean Burgoyne play on for? And you said an interesting thing last night, which sort of made our ears prick up that... Um, about the possibility of him perhaps going on even into 2022. I didn't say no, that. that was amazing. That was Maisie who said that. But, uh, yeah, my thoughts are with Sean, I don't think that he'd tap out straight after it. If he's, if he's still in the best 22, then, yeah, I think he'll keep playing. But if he's not and he thinks that it's, you know, it was really nice to get that achievement and sees the, the growth of a young halfback or someone else taking that spot, I'm sure he's, mm. you can hear the way he's spoken all week, he's a very humble uh, human, so he'll... Give uh, you know that opportunity up if if that's the case. But if he's still the best player, then he'll play. How's he going on form, Beach? Is he sort of bottom six in their team at the moment, or is he doing enough to hold his place? Oh, no, I think he's he's struggling a little bit. Yep. Um, 
and I think the occasion would have got to him last night, so it would have been hard to kind of focus on just football. But he's there, as we we highlighted last night, he's there for kind of bigger picture stuff too, to be almost that playing coach, yep. which a diamond doesn't. Um, so he's kind of, his impact with his disposals and stuff probably doesn't highlight the real impact he's, he's having out in the fields, particularly when the runner can't get out as much. So, you know, in form-wise, he, you know, yeah, he's not in great form, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, that's fair. We had plenty of tributes for him last night. You spoke a, a lot, Beige, about um, the challenges of him as a player. I heard Alistair Clarkson say during the week that it's so rare that you get someone that has the silky smooth skills, but also is so hard at the contest that generally you you have one or the other yeah. as a player That to, to have that as a mix. Um, what a great player. 2002 made his debut uh, in April of that year against St Kilda. And then last night, his 400th game. He's now 3-2 and two in the major milestones. So lost his 100th game, his 400th, but had wins in games 200, 300, and 350. Uh, Carl Amon joined us last night, um, the Port Adelaide winger. This is what he had to say about the occasion last night. Yeah, look, it was a special night. And um, I guess for myself, as a, as a young Indigenous boy coming through the system and, you know, watching Sean, you know, as I grow up, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's special to be a part of his 400th game and, you know, the first Indigenous player to do it, you know, is an inspiration not only for me, but I know for all the young Indigenous boys coming through the system and, you know, it's a massive achievement for sure. So Kevin Bartlett first got there in 1983 and if you speak to the old-timers who have sort of followed footy for a long while, they said when, you know, Ted Whitten made the 300 mark, they thought, oh, no one's ever going to get past 300 again and um, now we're seeing it more and more, although it is... Of course, well, I think there's, what do you say, Beige? Only 80 something players in the history of the game that have ever played 300. Uh, then Kevin Bartlett got to 483. Michael Tuck in 1990. We had to wait again to 2015 to see a player reach the 400 mark when Dustin Fletcher did it round nine of the 2015 season. Eight weeks later, Brent Harvey passed 400, and now we're seeing Sean Burgoyne in 2021. So it's happened three times in six years, having happened only twice ever before that in the history of the game. Is it something that you think we're we're done now and we've finished seeing this changeover period of sort of the old game into the new sort of professionalism mode and so these guys were able to transfer from one to the other and stretch their careers out to 400 games? Or is it something we're going to see a lot more of um, going forward? Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, just looking at uh, the current group of guys that are on their 300, like Eddie Betts, I'd be surprised if he goes on again. Dave Mundy will definitely go on again next year. He's coming up to 350 in a couple of weeks. Um, Pendlebury's the one who's, in terms of ultra uh, ultra professionalism, but the thing with, with uh, Pendles is what other position does he play? I'm not sure that you can continue to run around in that midfield. You know, you've got to become like Shawnee can. He's, he's gone forward. He's gone back. Also had his time in the middle. So... Has, has Pendlebury got that to prolong his career? Dave Mundy's probably the perfect example for him to you know prolong your career to year 37, 38. If you can continue to roll around like he does, um, that would be ideal. But 400, I can't see it happening. There's just again. a lot of like, luck involved too. You made mention that it's the team you play for as well. So You've got to play in finals, don't you? Preferably, yeah, you're playing in finals to be more competitive. So therefore, your performances are almost recognised or valued more. Because you could be running around doing the same thing in a in a lesser team in the bottom four team, but oh, you've got to make way for a young guys' development, yep. all that kind of thing. And your headspace, I think, plays a part when you're not winning. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. Yeah, for motivation, but yes, yeah, so, so that's where like Pendles is where to where do they sit with that? Because it's, I think it's going to be a lean couple of years for Collingwood. So does he make way, like you said, and become more flexible with his positioning? We've seen him try and play half back and with some success, but. Um, I don't think he's as flexible as, as others. Um, 
tell you, there's a, there's a lot of luck involved. And then you brought up last night calls about sports science becoming um, better um, management-wise, you know, treatments, all that kind of thing, so they could potentially prolong their careers. And there's the argument, well, their time, um, there's more time asked to players than ever now from AFL clubs and the difficulty around COVID and everything moving forward. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting... I don't think there's any right or wrong answers. It's just a matter of... Uh, and if, if anyone does uh, say that they do have the right answer, is kidding themselves because we just don't know. The game's going to be physical on the tank and obviously there's tackling involved in the game, so it's physical in that sense. But I don't think sort of the heavy bumps are going to be in the game as much as they were at any time in the past. So well, I it's think becoming, yeah. We're seeing it less, less and less violent in the way that it yep. has been, so maybe that'll less play physical. a role um, going forward. Alistair Clarkson was asked about uh, the occasion last night and his team's performance. Uh, interesting insight into how the coach saw it. It's hard to say, but it looked like we were overwhelmed with the occasion, to be fair. We made so many errors with the ball. Um, some of it was to do with Port's pressure, of course, but some was just to do with us being too frantic with the footy when we had a chance to get composure with the ball. It was, it was like our lads were were trying too hard. Um, you know, we lost our balance a lot of you know in, in general play and around around structure um, just by beast the honeypot trying too hard to go in and get the ball. You learn lessons all the time. You know, we weren't disappointed with our players. You know, <laughs> how can you be disappointed when you're trying too hard? Um, so that was that's the respect that they've got for for Sean Burgoyne and their club and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll learn from it. We've got a very, very young side. Two and two since the bye now. Hawthorne uh, with a loss to Port Adelaide and Essendon wins against the two New South Wales teams in between. They play Fremantle down at York Park in Launceston. This is Grandstand AFL Sunday. Corbin Middlemass, Brett Delidio and Brendan Goddard. Now a heap off the SMS, which I never get to, so I promise today I'll read a few out. Nick from Bendigo. Lids, are you still planning to play a game for Gagari this season? Yep, Gary. We'll Where's Gagari? It's about 10 minutes out of Kyabram. Uh, so different team than you're playing for or will play for in the next few weeks against the bottom? No, that, that's the team. Oh, that's the team. That's Gagari, Gagari Kangaroos, mate. Yeah, that's uh, July 24th. So come along, get there from Bendigo. Was it Nick? Did you say? Yes. Yeah, the Trelgan Tiger. G'day, fellas. Their defence is superb, but with uncertain forward line of McDonald, Wiedemann and maybe Brown, can Melbourne realistically challenge come preliminary final weekend from the Trelgan Tiger? Trelgan Tiger. Uh, yeah, they can because... Is built off the back of defence and setting up well behind the ball. Um, I haven't. I like to see their overall stats in terms of time in forward half and where they sit in that. I think. I think it's a little bit higher than I feel because they set up so well behind the ball and they're so hard to score against. But plus their pressure around it when yeah, it's, uh, it keeps it in. Yep. Yeah, because they do. If they the teams are good enough to get through that initial pressure up the ground, then they're so well set up the ball and there's enough pressure to force a long kick or it's not. You know, clean ball coming out of the opposition's um, defence. So, uh, yeah, no, but they do. That's why they're competitive in every game. Again, they lost uh, yesterday, but they're still competitive. They still had a chance to win, although they, I'm sure they performed poorly to their standards. But, no, they're every chance. Here's Simon Goodwin post-game. Yeah, look, it's a tale of two halves. There's no question about that. I thought, you know, our first half was certainly very average around the footy. Um you know, from a clearance and contest perspective. And then um, you're right, you know, we had our chances in the second half. We just looked a bit rushy with our with our ball use inside 50 and, um, you know, ability to finish certainly wasn't to the level. Um, so um, we had our opportunities, um, but we didn't maximise them and it's something that we'll go away and have a look at. And what about Ben Brown and Sam Wiedemann coming back? It was certainly something we'll look at. There's no question about that. Um, 
you know, I think if you look through the history of the season, I think we've lost two games playing three tools and one game playing two tools. Um, but we're not naive to the fact that we, we probably need to execute better inside 50 and we need to score a little bit more. Um, you know, but, you know, as I said, it's, it's something we'll continue to look at. Um, the key thing is that those guys get themselves in really good form um, and that'll give themselves the best opportunity to play. Justin off the SMS. Hi, Corby and panel. Where were the Carlton fans last night? Only 10,000 at the G. I thought Melbourne was supposed to be the footy capital of Australia. They get an extra home game and the fans still don't turn up from Justin. I think there's, you could write a thesis at the moment on... Uh, I think um, yeah, content director Tim Verrill tweeted that out the other night that you could write a thesis as to the reasons why people aren't going to the footy at the <laughs> moment. Um, there's obviously all sorts of uncertainty. There's crowd caps. Uh, but yeah... I, I, Lower crowds than what we're used to at the moment. Only 10,000 at the MCG last night. Uh, And this from John. Frio dished up rubbish in one of their most important games for many years. Their game plan and structures failed. Is it time to be talking about the CTO in Dua? I think that may be a misprint on the back then. I have no idea what he means means there. I know. But this is Justin Longmuir on what he had to say last night about Fremantle's goal kicking, which is... Just putrid. They continue just to put thorns in their own hands. They do so much hard work. And then their goal kicking has been a real problem this year. They're the worst team for accuracy in the competition and worst for corridor accuracy. So they're missing easy shots. Again, it happened last night. We just got to keep working on it. Like, um, and, and some of the some of the easy shots on goal was were, were, were general play shots. I, I felt like, you know, just was a sign of lack of composure. And when you give the opposition a head start like we did, you're always playing catch up. So it feeds into itself, and you sort of you lack a bit of composure when you should when you know you got more time. And we, yeah, we were just chasing the game all all night because of our start. Um, we just need to keep working on our, our goal kicking. Um, you know, last week goal kicking wasn't an issue. This week, you know, really it's set again. So just got to keep working on it. Grant in Waterloo in Sydney says, Hi, Corbin, BJ and Lids. AFL's Victorian bias still running, especially if GWS and the Suns have to play at Ballarat as Victorian teams are being given preferential <laughs> treatment at playing at the MCG in Docklands. So, Grant, the games have already been scheduled. The problem is there's only so many venues. So last night we had a double header at the MCG. That's why that game would be at Ballarat because the MCG and Docklands are already in use. Uh, and Derek says, who needs wildcard finals concept when you've got a race for eighth spot this season? Also, best of luck to BJ in the cheesy game show. Hope you pick <laughs> it for a win today. I need it. Yeah, it does need it today. Well, you, surely the AFL will be like, righto, we've got two interstate teams down at Ballarat. Just turn up. They're not going to charge for tickets. Let's just get there and uh, <laughs> try and encourage as many people to come along as possible. Well, I don't... I don't... <laughs> He's right, mine. How does he think that those two teams are going to play at MCG or Marvel and have 5,000 people there? Like you'd, and you just wouldn't do that. It just doesn't. It's not common sense. And then right. put two Melbourne-based teams down in Ballarat. Like great for the region, but just no sense whatsoever, right? Uh, John's just followed up saying CTO's coach changed the coach. Oh, that's. Oh, I'm not sure. If I was fra- <laughs> Jesus. I'm not sure if I'm Fremantle. I'll be giving up Justin Longmuir. I think they got a good one in, yeah, in Justin. It. He's an angry Fremantle supporter, Jeez. is he? Gee whiz! One of the best coaches in the game. He's been there. What? I think they've year. outdone themselves yeah. tenfold this year based on yeah. the cattle and the injuries they've had to literally key players, not just injuries across the board, but to, to key players. You know, the role that Fife could be running around the midfield still having 30 and having a huge influence on games, but he's mm. not. You talk about these sliding doors moments too. So touched on five of their last eight at home. That game's at Perth Stadium against Carlton on Saturday night. It's 
so rare for a team from Perth in particular to travel twice in not just a week, but in the space of about five days. So that's three trips across the Nullarbor. So I was saying during the week, I can't remember the last time Fremantle played, or West Coast for that matter, back-to-back away games. And everyone said, oh, what about the hub? They were in the hub last year. They played all these away games. It didn't involve the extra flights. So what we saw this (laughs) week was the fly-in, play a game against Collingwood, fly back home, home quarantine, fly back to Melbourne, and then play the game last night. So that's three trips across the Nullarbor in five days. And Tigers did that a couple of weeks ago too. They went back to Sydney and then back Mm. again. And got overrun in the last quarter. Exactly. In a game which they looked like they had in their keeping. I don't think they flew home, did they? But they played in Perth two weeks. Yeah, they they stayed over there. They stayed. stayed. Although we did see Jack Nunes kick the sealer last year against the Dockers over there. So they've got winning form. You you can't just say Mm. it'd be a victory, Corbs. Uh, monumental win for GWS yesterday. Uh, Leon Cameron has turned things around superbly with the Giants. They were 0-3 and three to start the season. Um, all of a sudden, the talk had started as to, oh, is he going to coach out the remainder of his contract? And Shane Mumford, your former teammate, mm. who's back out of retirement, looked like he was going to pick up a boxing career. Uh, he's playing well enough that it looks like he could play on into 2022, should he want to. This is uh, what uh, his coach had to say yesterday after his efforts against Max Gorn. I mean, Mummy's back's been playing up, clearly his knees. Um, so he actually had three weeks off between efforts this week. Um, and, and, and I know it doesn't sound right because normally you'd like to play your ruck back to back to back. He may get up, we're gonna, you know, whether it's a seven or eight day break next week, I'm not sure. But I'm also mindful that uh, Flynn's really working his craft with young Briggs as well. And, um, and, and seeing these guys get games into them as well, knowing that Mummy's not at the front end of his career, he's right at the back end. So we juggle that every week. But also there's a key indicator, and that's whether Mummy can get up and play footy because. You know, he's such a warrior for our footy club. I thought he was terrific today um, against the best ruckman in the competition. He just keeps finding a way. He grinds and grinds and grinds, and that probably summed up our win. The impact he's having on games Mm. is incredible. Uh, I asked Jason McCartney about a few weeks ago, and he had a chuckle and said Shane's mentioned that to him a few times. Of course he has. Have you seen him playing next year? I could, yeah. I think more like as that... mentor-type roles, what he's doing this year, same sort of thing. You come in and he, he said it himself that he only saw himself playing, you know, six or seven games maybe. You know, Flynn and Briggs would take over the mantle. Pruce obviously recruited there. So that'll be the discussion. When Pruce is fully fit, which I'm not sure how far away he is now. He tore his peck not that long ago, unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what the makeup is. And that probably just allows him just to continue to do what he's doing and play every now and again versus being relied upon. But his record, when he does play, they, they hardly lose. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer because I don't know how well, uh, say, Briggs or... Uh, Flynn, Flynn's been going Flynn, okay. their development until they get to the end of the year and go, no, we'll, we'll Bruce will be our number one, but, but these guys are now in a position that they're capable enough that if Bruce is out of form or for, uh, out of the team for whatever reason, that they're able to come in and play a role and have, it, have an yeah. impact. Because I think that'll be their discussion. Because then, obviously, if there's three of them in line, yeah. with Bruce being at the front of the line, then Mummy's really not needed. He, he'd go back to that coaching role that he had, development, mm-hmm. ruck coach kind of role. I don't think he's going to roll around in the what is now VFL, Mummy. It's either you're playing or you're, yeah, or you're resting, or you're resting, uh, which is what he always has been, pretty much. Josh Kelly was with us post game on Grandstand AFL. Does a a result today, a performance like today, convince you that your future might lie with the Giants? Oh, we're, you know, absolutely love playing here and, um, you know, performances are like that are what we pride ourselves on. So we expect to give that week in, week out and I, you know, expect that of our group. So, yeah, it's, it's really pleasing. Absolutely love playing my footy here. So, 
I can't see why not. Yeah, you've got such a tough decision to make when you've got eight years on the table. I mean, that's a footballing career, isn't it? What still remains to be ticked off in your mind before you would let the Giants know that you're staying if you are? Oh, I don't think there's anything particular with these big decisions. Sometimes it just takes a bit of time and um, sometimes you just, you know, let that, let that play out. And the club has always been outstanding with me and um, understanding of the situation. So, um, you know, really thankful for that. And, again, love playing my football here, so... No worries. Is it coming soon, mate? A decision? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. A few things to okay. lay up, but we'll see. <laughs> what do you make of that, Lids? <laughs> wow. Saying all the right things. Yeah, t- typical Chook. He just, uh, yeah, you can send him a text to uh, to meet up for coffee and he won't get back to you until the following day. Say, no, nah, mate, I'm not going to make it. It was like, no kidding, I'm not there either. Um, <laughs> you know, so nothing, One of those, is he? Yeah, nothing's done urgently with, with Chook. Although he plays with it. He's, he doesn't certainly do it off-field, but... Yeah, as BJ said, he said all the right things in terms of what you want to hear, but uh, he'll do it in, all in good time. He took him to prelim week, I think, to make his last decision to stay. Mm. So He's got a few weeks in Melbourne, back at home, just catching up with his old friends and family. and Gut feel? Oh, I, don't, I really don't know. I think he'd be silly to leave. Ooh. Beach? No, oh, I've got no idea. This, yep. this is Lid's question. I'll just be guessing and throwing a statement out there. The other, the other name's Adam Chera, who is a deal on the table for Freo. He was with us as well on Grandstand AFL last night. Sure enough, was asked about his contract again, non-committal. Um, just about every Victorian team's in for him. Smooth mover. Um, yeah, can play on the outside. He's, he's got a couple of years in the system now. Seemingly uh, he's uh, has expressed some homesickness in the past, so the, the chance to come back and play in Victoria. You speak to any journal over in Perth, they believe that Things are on track and he's going to stay. Um, sort of most of the newspaper scribes have, have sort of expressed an opinion that uh, that the Dockers are in the box seat to keep him. It feels like the, you put your finger in the wind on this side of the country that every club in Melbourne's a chance to secure Adam Chera's signature. <laughs> um, so I guess watch that. Watch they're this. Get, so they're going to have to. So the, the rumour is you you get the finger on the pulse in Perth. Mm-hmm. Seven fifty a year from Freo. Yep. So, on the table. So. You'd expect that a Melbourne club is probably going to have to offer a little bit more just to hang the carrot in front of him, mm. just that extra incentive. Unless, than being unless home the homesickness is a real Unless issue. what he wants is to play here. Yeah. yeah, That's still a significant pay packet for a kid that hasn't proven a lot, isn't it? Well, that's it. Yeah, I heard uh, Justin Lepich interviewed not that long ago about Richmond and their philosophy was... They're not really into paying guys that haven't got the runs on the board so much, you know, to pay overs to get them in. It's either you come and play under our system because we are a big club and we're, we're challenging consistently um, or, you, or you don't come. A couple of hot takes to finish. Uh, the reason we're chatting about the top eight and the fact that it's now open is obviously Richmond are out of the top eight for the time being. They lost to Gold Coast back on Thursday night. That's three straight losses. They play Collingwood at the MCG in round 17. Felt like the conversations moved fast from can Richmond win the flag from the bottom portion of the top eight to now all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, are they even going to make the eight? Uh, have you got the Tigers there in September? Oh, geez. Well, I had them win in the last two weeks um, and they certainly haven't done that, have they? And they've got the pies next week. So it doesn't, like you would have said that they were, they were easy wins for them, They're, you know, based on who they are and what they have been. But, geez. Just a response too after... Dimmer's comments about last week's performance and how big a week it was for the club and then just shooting blanks. Like, mm. that's that's concerning. Mm. If they had rolled up their sleeves and, you know, lost... And Gold Coast are good, so don't take that away from them. But they were they were average. Just in, errors, though. Like, yeah. un, uncharacteristic errors that stood out to me and then just a yeah, real and it lack wasn't, of... Yeah, and it wasn't really that real 
you know, ferocious intensity. It wasn't that it wasn't the response that Dimmer had almost promised everyone, right? Yeah. So that's probably a concerning thing. So, um, yeah, they've lost still, Basha Hawley potentially for the rest of the still, year. Still, still a big question mark. Mm. Do you think they're more likely to win it in 2022 than they are this year? 2022. Well, well it's a fresh season. They're zero on zero. I suppose it's 50 50. But given the players that they're likely to lose, I mean, who, who's really going to drop off? Everyone gets another year older. You get another year into the guys like Collier Dawkins and the younger midfielders coming through. It's yeah, but then also Jack's a year older, Trent's a year older, Grimes, Grimes, Again, Shane Edwards. For me, it's just that this the the what's what's motivating him. It's so it's so hard. Maybe a year like this year that that'll get him a little bit of hunger back after you know doing what they've done the last four years. But to miss the eight, geez, a bit of a reality check. It's almost like the the Hawthorne of two thousand eight. Kind of thing they they come back for, you know, one last tilt at it in yeah maybe next year because of the they've tasted that <laughs> what it feels like to miss finals again and we see how long it's taken the Dags to get back uh, to have another crack at it. It's just it's just I just think it's only natural for them to have this kind of slump based on the success they've had and the ability to get themselves up for so long. Uh, so yes or no for Richmond in the eight this year? Uh, I still think they're in the box seat. But there's there's still huge question marks. Again, who's? It's more about probably who's under them. That's convincing enough to say, oh yeah, look now they're they're in better form. They look like the better team right now. But it's, there's no one really jumping out, is there? That Giants Richmond game later in the year will be a big one. I so, reckon. Giants are probably yeah. Giants maybe the one. This is grandstand AFL Sunday. Top 10 cheesy game show time. Now, you should know by now that these things generally work in a little bit of a theme. So what I want to know from you is the top 10 all-time games record list in VFL, AFL footy. Who's on the top 10? I'll, I'll go first. You go first. Boomer. Up top, 432 games. Oh, does it have to be in order? No, no, no. Oh, anyway. geez, yeah, Tucky. He's second, 426. KB. KB's third, 403. Dustin. Fletch, 400. Shawnee. 400. Robert Harvey. 383. Craig Bradley. He's eighth, 375. Oh, I thought that ran a bit deeper then. Um, I've only got one more. Yeah, I think I think this will be borderline. Adam Goods. Yeah, he's 375. Threw us in the 370s. Adam Goods is there, ninth, 372. He's ninth at three seven two. Yep, we got two to go. Wow. Um, I don't know who's played that many. No, I'm out. Got him. Uh, the other two I wanted: Simon Madden, three hundred and seventy-eight, and the Super Boot Bernie Quinlan. Wow. Simon Madden, in maybe. I wouldn't have I should, I should have known that. Three hundred and sixty-six. Wouldn't have got it. Uh, the other. Games record tally, which has been spoken about a lot this week, is the top 10 games played by Indigenous players in VFL, AFL football. So okay. who's the top 10 most games played by Indigenous players? Okay, first. Yep. Silk. He's up top with 400. Goodsy. Goodsy second, 372. Eddie Betts. Betts. Eddie Betts. 344 is third. Bungie McLeod. He's oh, fourth, 340. Oh, that has to be timed out, surely. 
Gavin Wanganine. Wanganine's there. You've been timed out there, Beach. Uh, would have taken Buddy Franklin, 310. Buddy. Michael O'Loughlin, 303. Gavin Wanganine, 300 flat. Shane Edwards, 277. Daryl White, 268. And Paddy Ryder's just gone past Paddy. our own Chris Johnson, so he's up to 266, gets himself. Singing more Melbourne based clubs. In the top 10. Now, this is a controversial topic Ooh. as the deciding rubber. Today, you may have read in the News Limited papers the top 10 rich list. Uh huh, no, we didn't. Which is really. Unless he said he didn't either, unless he was foxing me at the start. I don't read this, son, mate. You have told me that both of you haven't read this, but this is essentially a guesstimate by uh, the journos involved to put together the top 10 player salaries in the game. So, looking for the top 10 here. Yep. Back to me, Brennan Goddard. Nah, just kidding. Uh, Lance. Struggled Lance to Franklin. get in the top top uh, 50 back of the day. Lance Franklin's number one. Uh, Dustin. Dusty's number three. Jezza. Now, Jezza is there at number 10. Oh. Wow, we got a lot of numbers to go. Fifey. No. Fifey's there. Oh, number had to. Four. Um, who are the other big dogs? McNatt. Yes, I knew that one. What? Yes, you, you looked at it. And you know you did. No, I said I saw the top 50, uh, 50 to one hundred. Used to be first ever win for Brendan Guy yes. in the top ten cheesy games. Who was then, Jack Martin? So the, the top ten list: <laughs> tenth is Jeremy Cameron, ninth is Marcus Bontempelli, eight Bont. Steve Canelio, seven Yo, Patrick Cripps, six Patrick Dangerfield, five Brody Grundy, four Nat Fife, three Brody. Dustin Martin. Two, Jeremy McGovern. Oh, my God. And one, Buddy Franklin. Okay, top so ten list. Who, did, who just took a pay cut during the year? That, uh, no, Paddy Cripps just took a pay cut, didn't he, when he signed on? For his future deal. Yeah. yeah okay. No late change for Swans <laughs> Eagles. You'll be getting that coverage for those of you uh, throughout WA, Tasmania, and the Northern Territory. It's coming up next. James Robottom and Jack Petrotelli. Jack Petrocelli, the two subs for the Swans and Eagles, respectively. Following that, it'll be St Kilda and Collingwood for everyone in Victoria. You're getting the footy forum with Clint Wilder, Mark Duffield and Jake Nile. And then later today, we all come back together for the Dogs and the Roos. A big day of footy still to come, Lids. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Yeah, I'll look forward to it, mate. Yeah, got on? fire, maybe. It's a bit of family time. Yeah, family time. Uh, Beach, we're off to the footy. Yeah. Hopefully it's a good one. Fingers, toes crossed, please. Yeah, Weather's not nice great. Wet. I don't know if you remember any sort of uh, classic St Kilda Collingwood games we can relive today. No, <laughs> yes. I, do. I remember them. Just a couple of. We can look back on. Big day for the Saints. They can put themselves within touching distance of the top eight. It's all ahead of us on Grandstand AFL. The footy forum for those in Victoria. For everyone else, Swans Eagles.